The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the midweek show of The Overwhelmed Brain. This bonus episode allows me to get to messages that I don't have time to address on the regular episodes every Sunday. So if you're new to the show and this is your first episode, tune into the main episodes on Sunday to get a feel for what I usually talk about. Many of the midweek shows are on relationship issues, but I throw a curveball in every now and then. Anyway, this is Paul Coliani, just to let you know everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. I got an interesting email that I want to read to you. It's really quick, but uh, the question has me chomping at the bit. I can't wait to answer it. Uh, let me pull it up here. Where is it? It's around here somewhere. That's not it. Here it is. <laughs> Here it is. All right, this person wrote, I recently came upon your website when Googling about judgment. I loved your article on the topic of judgment because I struggle with this in my current relationship with my fiance. He's an amazing human being on many levels, and yet I judge him because he doesn't have great language skills, spelling, awkward misuse of spoken words, etc. I get the gist of your article, which is that you must radically just accept or not accept the person just as they are. Stay and accept or don't accept and leave. I would love to hear more about how this approach is going for you now. Now that you lost your marriage over her sugar addiction and your judgments about it, did you master this approach of acceptance? Are you successfully navigating your post-marriage relationships using this technique? I'd love to hear more about your experiences because your article prompted me to consider this approach as an option. Okay, this is an amazing letter. Thank you for reading that article, and I hope you did get something from it. And thank you for asking me this question, and I, I do want your relationship to get better. Absolutely. Let me go over the first part, or at least the first part that I should share, which is if somebody doesn't know the story, I used to be a very judgmental person, and I brought that into all my relationships. It is a form of emotional abuse, and I've been transparent about it on this show and my other show, Love and Abuse, and not proud of it at all. It has ruined all of my relationships. So to the person who wrote, uh, my judgments, my judgmental behavior, my sky-high standards have ruined all of my relationships. They all left me because I made them feel bad. I made them think that they could never be good enough. And so anyone listening now, if you are a highly judgmental person and you are this way with someone you love, they are going to be heavily affected and it could destroy your relationship. In fact, that's what that article is titled. I call it judgment, the ultimate relationship destroyer. You can find it at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Um, you can probably even look for judgment in relationships in a search engine, and you'll probably see my article as number one. 
it's well worth the read if you have judgment in your relationships. But coming back to this question in my marriage, yes, my wife got pretty sick of being judged all the time uh, for her challenges. And one of the major things I used to do was make someone else's, usually my romantic partner, someone else's personal challenge my problem. So I want you to soak that in. This person who wrote, their personal challenge, their whatever you want to call them, their inability to spell (laughs) in this case, or their inability to form complete sentences coherently is not your problem. It's their problem. You may not like it. You may not want to be around them because it's embarrassing to you. I don't know. But this is what I went through is that I made their problem my problem. Because my wife, when I was married, she was already trying to deal with it in the best way she could. And I gave her a hard time in very subtle, passive-aggressive ways because I didn't like her eating junk food. I didn't like her reaching for sweets because I knew she was addicted to them. She told me she had a sugar addiction. And so that, right at the beginning of the relationship, formed an emotional trigger in me, meaning every time she reached for sweets or talked about eating something sweet or a dessert or anything like that, that emotional trigger kicked up in me and I didn't want it to happen So I would turn into a controller, a very silent controller, a very passive controller, but a manipulative controller nonetheless because I did not want her to do that behavior. Why? Because I made her problem, her challenge, my problem. And there was also the idea that I would be stuck with someone who may become unattractive to me. This is my previous thinking. This is my previous shallow thinking. But as time went on, I felt like I would become more and more unattracted to her. And so because I feared what I would end up with, my judgments kicked in and I tried to make her, again in subtle ways, make her feel guilty, make her feel bad about her own behaviors. And it is something that I wish I had never done because she didn't deserve it. She deserved uh, love. She deserved support. And she did not deserve to be treated as if she were broken. She did not deserve to be treated as if she were someone less than me, like not an equal, but someone who needed to be guided, someone who needed to be controlled. Because she was an equal adult. I wasn't treating her as an equal adult. I was treating her as someone that was doing behavior that was unacceptable. I mean, these were my own filters. This wasn't like unacceptable in the world in general. She wasn't hurting animals. She wasn't clearing the rainforest. She wasn't killing whales. She had an emotional eating problem. And I don't even know if if it's fair for me to call it a problem. It was just a challenge she was dealing with. But it was her challenge. It was her issue. And I made it mine. And as soon as I made it mine, her life became miserable. My life became miserable too because now I had this emotional trigger. And every time she reached for junk food, I would be triggered. And I would carry it around. It would be so much pressure. 
I felt like I had to watch her all the time. I mean, I put that on myself, of course, but if I didn't watch her and I didn't make her feel bad about herself for doing that, then maybe she'll get worse. One of the big problems with that is when you focus on what they do that's wrong in your eyes, instead of supporting them in the place they're in, then they feel like they're alone. They feel totally alone and the one person who is supposed to love them and support them and treat them as if they are their king or queen is making them feel isolated and having to face their own challenges alone. This is the stuff I learned near the end of my marriage because as my marriage ended, I realized, oh, I'm the problem. I realized that I was causing her to want to leave me instead of all the thinking that I had for years before that, which is why doesn't she just do what I want her to do so that we could both be happy. And that's just a very unfair thing to do to your partner is to make them feel bad for not doing something that you want them to do. Because that's like saying, why don't you let me control you? Why? Why won't you let me control you? Just let me control you and we'll both be happy. I mean, try that on for a minute. Hey, honey, uh, let me control you. And uh, I don't care if you like it. I don't care if it's hard for you. But let me control you so we'll both be happy. There's no happiness in control. There's not. You don't want to control someone else. You don't want to make them feel like they need to be controlled. Because they're not children. They're not a child. They don't need to be disciplined. They don't need to be talked down to. They don't need to be made to feel bad about their behavior because they're doing behavior nowadays that may or may not be healthy for them, but it's still for them. Either it's going to be healthy for them or not, but it doesn't matter because it's still their life. It's still everything that they're doing in their life and everyone outside their life can either choose to accept who they are as they are or not. And then when they get into a romantic relationship, that person is supposed to be the most accepting, loving, hopefully as close to unconditional loving as you can possibly get to someone that they can always come to no matter what problem is going on in their life. In this case, coming back to this email, it may not be as awful as maybe I went through. Misspelling and an awkward use of words might not be as big a challenge as someone who has an addiction issue. I mean, that doesn't even sound like a challenge at all. It just sounds like, okay, this person didn't necessarily learn the proper use of grammar or didn't spend a lot of time trying to spell a lot of words when they were younger. So now they're not very good at it when they're older. And so that person may already know they're not that good at spelling or they don't spell well, <laughs> whatever the proper use is there. Because I think a lot of us do it. A lot of us don't have the perfect lexicon, <laughs> if I can use that word, because of our upbringing or because we hated English when we were younger or whatever language that we were learning. I excelled in English when I was younger, but I'm still not very good at it. <laughs> I mean, you probably heard several years of this show if you're a longtime listener and think, okay, yeah, he's pretty good at language. But there are times when I've said things wrong. I used to say naivety instead of naivete. I used to say plethora instead of plethora. And I did this on the air. <laughs> you can go back to old shows and find this. And uh, somebody had to point it out. 
when they pointed it out, I felt embarrassed. I felt like, oh, great, everyone's going to think I'm an idiot. But then I thought, well, what's the big deal? I'll just come up with another episode and say, hey, I've been saying this wrong this whole time. Here's the right way to say it. Now I know. I did some extra research with naivete. <laughs> Somebody really held my feet to the fire on that one and said, you know, you're getting that wrong completely. And I was. I was. I was getting that wrong. But that's how I was brought up. I never heard anyone say it that way, the, the correct way. I never heard anybody say any of these words the correct way. Or if they did, I might have written it off as them speaking incorrectly. Especially interesting words like plethora. I mean, that's an interesting word. Uh, so I'm sure that I mixed it up with something else along the way. I used to say decorative instead of decorative. It's just a, I don't know, maybe it's a colloquialism from the area that I was in. And I don't even know if I'm using the word colloquialism right. My girlfriend says I'm not. <laughs> so who knows? You know, we all have our weaknesses in areas. But like I was saying, I excelled more in English and writing and all those classes that I had when I was younger. And I was terrible at math. I'm still terrible at math. I can't stand math. I know some math. I know some things that you need to do to survive in the world. But I probably wouldn't be able to create a three-dimensional circle. I probably wouldn't know the math for that. I probably couldn't tell you any algebra. <laughs> I mean, yes, probably a little bit. But nothing advanced. Because that's not my thing. So some people have their thing. In fact, I guarantee the person who wrote this message, the person that she's going to marry probably knows something very well and doesn't know how to spell well. Doesn't know how to use certain words and certain phrases well. He probably says things that embarrasses her because maybe she's more of a stickler on that. Or maybe she has excelled in that. Or maybe she excelled in everything. I don't know. But I guarantee you, everyone has a specialty, a strength, and obviously you must see the strengths as well in order for you to stay in this relationship because if there were more things that you noticed, you might be unhappy about those things too. So I'm sure he has strengths, but this particular area obviously bothers you and this is why you're writing. But I want to get to this question that this person wrote to me. Before we get to that, I want to talk to you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a service that is online that you can use in place of going in-person therapy. I mean, I shouldn't say it's in place of, but when you really can't get out of the house or don't want to leave the house for a therapy appointment, BetterHelp might be a great solution for you. In fact, they offer something that a lot of in-person therapists don't offer, and that is the ability to connect in a safe and private online environment, making it convenient. And because it's online, you aren't stuck with one therapist in your area. You can actually choose from many therapists with their specialties to help you through whatever you're going through, whether that's depression, stress, anxiety, family conflicts, anger, trauma. How about grief and LGBT matters? Anything that you are going through there are many licensed professional counselors who specialize in these areas and the service is available worldwide. So no matter where you are in the world, uh, you can do this from the privacy and the comfort of your home or a hotel or wherever you are. And there's so many great things about it, including the affordability. I mean, going to traditional offline counseling can cost quite a bit, but 
they offer this at a really good rate and financial aid is even available. So I highly recommend you check it out. It's not self-help. It's actually professional counseling and um, you'll get timely and thoughtful responses to your messages and you can schedule weekly calls or video sessions, whatever works for you. And that's why I like promoting this service so much. And once you sign up, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. So I want you to check out betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. And as a listener of the show, you'll get 10% off your first month. And um, you'll be joining over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. Check out BetterHelp today. Welcome back. Like I said, I want to get to this person's question. So let's do that right now. And this is a great question. Uh, What did you say? You said, did you master this approach of acceptance? Are you successfully navigating your post-marriage relationships using this technique? The simple answer that I would scream from a mountaintop is absolutely yes. Absolutely. I have mastered this approach of acceptance. I have mastered successfully navigating my post-marriage relationships with this technique. That doesn't mean I am a master. It just means I do have a certain process that I go through in my mind whenever I feel judgment come up. And it's a simple question that I ask myself whenever a judgment comes up. So let's just say some emotional trigger is in there and I watch my girlfriend eat a third bowl of ice cream. Let's just say that popped up. The inclination might be for me to say, look, three bowls, really? (laughs) How much ice cream do you need? I'm not saying I would ever say that to her, but you know how we have these thoughts that come up and you think, geez, you know, uh, maybe you should back off a little bit because, you know, you probably have a sugar coma or, you know, you should watch your weight. Maybe you should exercise. I think a lot of us have these judgments that come up and I think it's natural. I think it's a self-preservation thing that happens when judgment pops up. It's like, oh, if she does this, then I will be harmed in some way. So I need to protect myself. So this is what I need to do. I need to control her. I need to say something so that she knows that she's on a path that would affect me. This is, I think, a normal thought or at least some variation of a thought that I would say most of us have. Oh, he's doing that again? Oh, you know, these thoughts that come up. I can't believe she's doing that. She knows I don't like it. There's that thought. There's that judgment. So to answer the question, yes, I have mastered the approach of acceptance. What does that mean? I probably wouldn't word it that way. I probably wouldn't say mastered because uh, the thoughts still may come up and they sometimes do when I'm more tired when I'm not thinking straight, when I'm a little cloudy or foggy, and when my defenses are down or my unconditional loving (laughs) isn't up, and that's hard to do. It's hard to be unconditionally loving all the time. But I try to stay aware of it. I actually have my own watchdog that kicks in, and this is part of my process. This is what I'm going to share with you, is the watchdog, which is just me in another voice or a different voice in my head, notices when I'm forming a judgment and controls my next step. 
And what I mean by that is my watchdog says, are you about to do or say something to control her? That's it. That's the only question that comes up. Are you about to do or say something that controls her? Because I may have the judgment and I might feel righteous in that moment. I might feel like what I'm about to say needs to be said because she shouldn't be doing that. I'm about to say this or do this. And so this intention inside my brain comes up where I might want to start to say or do something, but this watchdog that I have in there, I don't know his name or her name, <laughs> comes up and says, are you about to say or do something with the intention of controlling her? Because if the answer is yes, then I don't say or do it. I don't give her the look. I don't do any of that. And this is the second part of my process. If the answer is yes, that I'm, I want to say or do something, the biggest step I take in that moment is to turn it back on me and reflect on what I want in my life. And this is where boundaries come in. This is where you ask yourself, is this something I'm willing to accept that if it never changed, I would be okay with it? I mean, I give myself an ultimatum. This is where I put myself every time a judgment comes up. If I feel like I have to say or do something to make her feel bad or control her behavior or anyone's behavior, but you know, I'm talking about romantic relationships where the closest person in your life, we tend to judge harsher than most other people. So this question comes in of, are you about to say or do something with the intention of controlling her? If the answer is yes, then I will turn it around, point back at myself, and ask myself a boundaries question of, is this something that if it never changed, ever, that you could accept and let her be? I forget how I worded it the first time, but that's pretty much the process that goes through my mind. Is this a behavior that if it never changed, the entire time you know her, if it never changed, even if she was capable of changing it, but she chose not to, are you willing to accept it as a part of your life? Because if you're not, and here's the third part of this, if the answer is no, I'm not willing to accept it, then are you willing to give up the relationship? And that's it. That's my whole process. The final question is, are you willing to give up the relationship? Because if the answer is no, if you say, well, no, I'm not willing to give up the relationship, then you have to circle back to the second question. The second question is, are you willing to accept this if it never changes? If you can't answer that second question with a solid yes or no, then it's still your issue, not theirs. You have to circle back and answer that question. I did this when I was married, near the end of my marriage. You know, my marriage ended anyway, but that was after all the judgments, all the making her feel bad about herself. I did all of that for years. So, you know, the love eroded, it dissolved and she did not feel safe with me anymore. This is what happens with people that we judge is that we make them feel unsafe around us and they feel so unsafe that they eventually stop sharing anything with us or at least some stuff that they don't want us to judge them about. And so when I started doing this near the end of my relationship, she was shocked. I mean, in areas I used to judge her, I stopped judging her. I stopped saying things. I even encouraged her. Like if she wanted chocolate, I would get her chocolate and say, here you go, honey. 
I would go out to a bakery and buy her chocolate. This was part of my healing process is to put myself in front of the emotional trigger all the time and make sure that I was really healing from this. I mean, it took a while, but I assigned myself this challenge that if I was going to heal from this, then I was not only going to not put her down for it or make her feel bad for it, but I was also going to encourage it and show her that I was going to support her no matter what choice she made. If she wanted to eat chocolate or eat sweets, then by all means, let's make a cake. Let's do this. Let's go to the store and go to the bakery. Hey, if that's what you want, then I want that for you. Why? Because I developed an overall philosophy, and I think this is something my wife really taught me, is that love is wanting the other person to be happy. Period. Love is wanting your significant other or someone in your life to be happy. And if they're happy, that should make you happy because you love them. And love is wanting the other person to be happy. Love is supporting their happiness. Love is supporting all the steps they take to be happy. And if eating a cake made her happy, then I had to firmly adopt that philosophy about love. I had to firmly adopt it because I look at someone who really is capable of at least the closest thing we can get to unconditional love, like maybe the Dalai Lama, who I've read once walked down the hall before his presentation once, and this, I don't know if she was a drug user or a prostitute, someone that probably didn't get a lot of unconditional love came up to him, and he just made her feel worthy, important, loved and supported like no one else ever had. It made her cry. I read this somewhere, and if I didn't get it completely right, the sentiment is still relevant. And I look at that example as a moment of unconditional love that if I showed up in ways that made someone who might be doing things with their life that I wouldn't do, that might be out of alignment with my values, if they came up to me or if they were my significant other or a member of my family, and they felt like that no matter what they're doing in their life, they wouldn't be judged for it, that it might actually make them feel something they hadn't ever felt. It might actually make them feel like a normal person that receives normal love, whatever that definition of normal is to you. I'm talking about non-dysfunctional caring and support and love from another human being that you know a lot of people don't get. And I started feeling like this awful person near the end of my marriage. I started to realize how broken I was treating my wife and how unsafe she felt around me. And of course, she's not going to share everything with me anymore because she doesn't want to be put in that position where she's so vulnerable that I could attack her while she's vulnerable. Of course, she's not going to share with me that she just enjoyed a wonderful sugary drink. She's not going to do that. She's going to keep it to herself. And this is how the secrets start in relationships often, is that we don't express because if they judge us, then we don't feel loved. We don't feel important. So we start to hide things from the people we love and hope that those things don't come up. But they eventually do. The emotional triggers are inside of us. And if we don't deal with them, and if we don't have a watchdog that says, hey, you're about to control someone. Are you sure you want to do this? Because what if somebody did that to you? That would be something to try on. 
What if in this person's case, somebody said, you know what? You spell everything perfectly. You use words better than anyone I know. You say words that I don't even recognize. You are such a brainiac when it comes to this. It is so annoying. <laughs> it is so annoying that you always correct me when I say naivety. It is so annoying that you do that. But you know what? I love you. I don't want you to feel like you should change that about yourself. But you know what? I love you. And you know, if this is who you are, then I'll just accept that you are this annoying brainiac that has to correct people. And I'll just know that that's you and I'll just deal with it. There's a little bit of acceptance. But at the same time, there is a resentment building in the other person. There's a little bit of anger in there maybe. And there's a little bit of fear that they can't be themselves around you. Because imagine you're the type of person that corrects people when they do something wrong. I mean, unless you're their super supervisor or their parent and there's a specific thing that they need to be corrected on. But imagine being corrected by someone whose values don't align with you. What? You're getting an abortion? I can't believe you're getting an abortion. And then you're chastised and you're judged if you are someone that needs to get one or chooses to get one and the other person's not in alignment with that, suddenly you're being prosecuted by this jury that you never asked for. And, you know, I don't want to get into a debate about abortion. That's not my point at all. Uh, my point is there are people that see you differently. There are people that see you as less than them. There are people that see you as not as smart, uh, not as healthy, not as attractive, and vice versa. There are people that see you as overly something, overly smart, overly healthy. And you can still be judged no matter which way it goes. But when you have someone that is always pointing things out, you're going to feel more and more unsafe with them as time goes on. And so in answer to this person's question, when I got divorced and I was learning all of this stuff about judgment and realizing that my judgments were ruining my relationships, and I also realized that I was becoming the judge, jury, and executioner, of someone else's behavior when I should really treat them as an equal adult in this world that has their strengths and has their weaknesses. And I also have my strengths and I also have my weaknesses. I mean, imagine that. Somebody's always pointing out your weaknesses. That is very hard to deal with. And pretty soon you don't want to be with that person. You know, in this person's case, if my girlfriend always used words incorrectly, I would ask her, do you want me to tell you when you use a word incorrectly? In fact, I think I did ask her <laughs> near the beginning of a relationship. I said, you know, you said this word. Do you want me to correct you when you say that? She said, absolutely. I don't want to look like an idiot. Those are her words. She said, I don't want to say something wrong. I really take pride in how I come across. I want to know that I sound intelligent. And so I said, okay, great. I will let you know when you say something that I believe is incorrect. And she rarely does, but when she does, I bring it up. And she's very happy about that. I mean, she doesn't go, she isn't thrilled <laughs> because I'm pointing something out, but that's what she wanted. So I asked her, is that something that you want? And she said, yes. And so that has been something that is an agreement. But if this person who wrote said, hey, honey, do you want me to let you know when you spell something wrong or say something wrong? Is, is that something that you care about? If he says, no. I don't care, you know, whatever. That doesn't bother me at all. Can you get to a place where you accept the way he wants to be? I really want you to think about that because 
if I asked you this question, do you want people to accept you the way you are? What would your answer be? Because your answer probably would be yes, I'm hoping. But it may also be, yeah, but I want other people to tell me when I'm wrong. That may be. But that is part of other people accepting you for who you are. Because part of you said that you want to know when you're doing something wrong or saying something wrong. That is who you are. That's part of your makeup. Where it may not be part of his. He may not want to be told every time he's saying something wrong or doing something wrong. And you may feel embarrassed when he misspeaks or says something in an unusual way or does something in an awkward way or whatever. Uh, it may bother you, but it bothers you because there's something inside of you that is not accepting. And if you're not accepting who he is and you're only focused on what he's doing wrong, then the love will dissolve either from you toward him or from him toward you because he will feel constantly under the microscope. He will feel like he has to constantly either try to be covert around you, like hide his spelling and grammar violations, or he just won't speak to you at all. And then he'll become secretive and everything will become less and less intimate and the connection will be gone. I mean, this is worst case scenario. Hopefully this doesn't happen. But I do believe if it bothers you that the question should be asked, hey, do you want me to let you know? And if he says, no, I'm okay with it. I don't need to know. No, you don't need to do that. Then you can say, okay, and become accepting. How do you do that? How do you become accepting? I already talked about it. You have that watchdog inside of you that pops up every time you are triggered by something that he's doing or saying. And that watchdog says, okay, you're about to say something. I just need to know if you're going to say it in an effort to control him. Because no one likes to be controlled. So this is a big part of this. No one likes to be controlled. If you have somebody in your life that controls you and you enjoy it, then you are probably not the same type of person he is. But no one likes to be controlled unless it's agreed upon. And that usually consists of a dominant-submissive relationship where one person is dominant and the other is submissive, and the submissive prefers to be controlled. And it's not just sex. Sometimes a relationship can be a dominant-submissive relationship, and the people like it. The people that like the control, like the structure, like the discipline. But then there are people that don't like to be controlled. And the people that don't like to be controlled will become more and more distant when it comes to connection. They'll be far out there and you'll be like, what's wrong with you? And they don't want to say, you're what's wrong with me. Every time you judge me, I, don't, I just don't want to share with you anymore. And so this leads to the other questions that your watchdog asks you to help you stay in alignment with the bigger picture of the relationship, which is if you love someone, you want them to be happy. And if their happiness is of the utmost importance to the relationship, then they'll want to be with you and they'll love you and they'll want to share with you and they'll want to express to you everything going on in their life because they feel accepted. So if we have someone that fully accepts us and doesn't judge us, then we feel like we can be ourselves. And when we can be ourselves around someone, we get the most authentic, wonderful version of them. May not be wonderful, <laughs> but let's hope it is the wonderful version of them. Because if we're allowed to be ourselves, then we are allowed to be happy. We are allowed to be the very best version of ourselves, faults and all. We can be ourselves with all our faults without worrying that somebody is going to put us down for them. So coming back to your question, how do I deal with this in my current relationship? 
I have that watchdog kick in. I go through that process. And I also ask myself if I'm tired because most of my judgments come when I'm tired. Most of my judgments are from this other place inside of me that when I get tired, then I can't really believe what's happening in my brain. I don't know if this works for everyone. I haven't done a survey on this, but when I get tired, thoughts will come up that don't come up when I'm not tired. Because I've gone through this in this relationship. I'll have a judgment pop up. Oh my God, another bowl of ice cream? Oh, what's this leading to? What's going to happen? And then I have to stop myself and go, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Are you tired? And I'll say, oh, yes, yes, I'm tired. Well, then I want you to think about this later when you're not tired. I'll say things like this to myself. And so I'll go through that. And then later on or the next day, I'll ask myself, okay, how do you feel about that now? And I'll say, and this happens often, I can't believe I even thought that. I don't even care. Why do I care? Why am I involving myself in her decisions? If she finds it's going to be a problem for her, I have to trust her enough to make that decision to eat another bowl of ice cream or not. I'm just using that as an example. I don't think I've ever seen her eat a bowl of ice cream. I think she eats like a spoonful. (laughs) It's just too much for her. I mean, I could eat a whole half gallon. I I love ice cream, which is why I never buy it. (laughs) But in this case, being tired, I know, brings out another part of me that, yeah, sure, I might need to look at, but because I know I'm tired, I'm fine the next day, that it's probably no big deal. And it really surprises me that I even had that thought. Because there I was making her challenge, her issue, her decisions, my problem. And that's really what it comes down to is, am I making her challenge, her problem, her decisions, my problem? If I make it my problem, then it becomes a problem in the relationship. And uh, we've been together just over five years now. And I tell you what, this has been the most successful, emotional trigger-free relationship I've ever had. I'm not saying I've had no emotional triggers throughout the relationship. I've had them, but it's always an internal reflection process and thinking about why I'm thinking that way and also drilling down. I didn't even mention this, but when the emotional trigger comes up, I drill down into why I feel that way and why it's a problem. So if I think, oh, another bowl of ice cream. Okay. Okay. Uh, am I tired? <laughs> and uh, am I about to say something with the intention of controlling her? Don't want to do that because that ruins the relationship. And I also think about my boundaries and am I willing to accept this? If this never changes, what if she eats more? What if she wants to eat the whole half gallon and another half gallon that day? Am I going to be able to accept that no matter what? And if the answer is yes, then I have to give myself no choice. There's the ultimatum of accepting it. Meaning that's who she is and I have to accept it. Because if I can't accept that, then it's a boundaries thing, right? You come back to your boundaries and go, no, that's, that's violating my boundaries or my values or whatever. It's violating something inside of me that I don't want in my life. Like if she snorted cocaine every day, I would have a problem with that. Even though that's her problem, her challenge, absolutely. But I have values and I have boundaries and I don't want drugs in my life. So what I'm going to do is say, hey, look, you need to stop doing that. I mean, I have a problem with this. It is a personal boundary. And she might say, no, I don't want to stop doing it. I get high and I love it and I don't have a problem with it. I can control this or whatever she says. Then I make the decision for me. This is, again, turning it back on yourself. Make your decision for you. 
Because the question that's going to come to my mind, just like I said earlier, is, okay, if she never changes that behavior, and if she does even more of it, as we go into the future, will that be okay with me? Can I accept it? My answer would be no. And at that point, I would tell her that I can't accept it. And that conversation might lead to a breakup. It might. It might be painful. I might hate it. She might hate it. She may not want me to go. She may be really in love with me, but she has this thing that she does that she likes. But it's not in my values. It's not in my belief system. Or I don't want it in my realm. I don't want strangers selling her drugs. You know, there's a lot of things that might be attached to that. So I don't want to get caught in that web and be stuck in a situation. So I have to address my boundaries. And this is where judgments almost always end up, is in your boundaries. So when I make a judgment about her, and it's something that she's doing that I don't like, I have to come back within me and ask myself, okay, is this something that I can accept forever? And if the answer is no, then I have to tell her, look, I can't accept it. And then we can have a conversation about it. And hopefully, we'll have a good conversation and things will change. Not that I'm trying to control her. I'm just saying, you know what? You can do whatever you want to do. However, I can't accept it. I mean, this is kind of where I go in my mind and in a conversation that I hope to never have. Is that, hey, you're doing something that you want to do or you're doing something that you like to do or you're doing something that you can't control even but it hurts me to see you do it or it affects me in some way and I can't handle it. I can't accept it. I can't handle it. So I'm telling you, I am unable to accept you as you are. There's a scary thought, right? We're actually putting ourselves in the position of being the person that can't be accepting because that's what it is. This is where I go. I tell myself I am being the person who can't accept unconditionally. So you point it right back at yourself. All judgments are one finger pointing at them and three fingers pointing back at you. And pointing back at yourself is taking responsibility for your inability to be accepting of who they are through and through. I'm not saying you have to accept them. I'm not saying that you have to approach everyone with unconditional love. I'm just saying that judgments are your inability to accept someone as they are. And they could be doing awful, vile things. And maybe you have to judge them. Maybe that is your place to do that. Maybe that is what you need to do for you. Because judging people helps you make decisions for your life. This is how boundaries work. And this is how they're created. Because if you were in a relationship with someone that was doing behavior that you couldn't stand, and they were out of alignment with your values or your boundaries, and you decided to leave the relationship, you're probably going to have a very solid line that no one can cross regarding what they were doing. So if someone was a big-time drug addict and it really caused a problem in the relationship, you might tell yourself, I will never, ever date a drug addict again. That would be a new boundary for you, and from that point on, that's great. Now you don't have to deal with that anymore. You don't have to work with that. Now I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying that we all have our limits. We all have our boundaries. Not all of us can handle it. I wouldn't be able to handle it with a a heavy using addict. I would have to say you need help and I can't be here until you get help because right now there's a big violation of my boundaries and I don't feel safe. I don't feel like we can connect. You're sometimes there. You're sometimes not. This is not the kind of relationship I want. I want a different type of relationship. I want someone that I always know will be there that can, I can connect with. I know you won't be able to show up for me all the time, but 
when there's other factors involved that are really out of alignment with who I want to be and what I want in my life, that's a big problem. So I can't handle it. I don't know what to do. I take responsibility. I put it back on myself. And in this woman's case, she's probably very annoyed when her husband misspells something or uses words in a way that's, that weren't meant to be used that way to turn that back around on herself and ask herself a question like, okay, if he never changed ever and he spoke in front of the Queen of England <laughs> in a way that was probably going to make him look a little foolish and make me feel a little embarrassed, would I be okay in this relationship if that never changed? If your answer is no, don't put that on him. Make that your responsibility. You are choosing no, which means you have to make a decision. You might have to talk to him and say, look, I can't take it. I feel embarrassed every time you do it. So I don't want to be in this relationship if you're not going to improve your English or whatever. And personally, I don't think that's a productive conversation at all. And I don't think it should get to that level, but it really does cause you to face yourself. I mean, this is exactly what I did in my marriage. I asked myself that question. If she never, ever changed, if she actually ate more, if she ballooned to 400 pounds, would I be okay with it? And when I said no, because this is where I went in my brain, I said, no, I wouldn't be. Then what is the very next thought after that? The very next thought for me was, well, I, I guess we have to break up then. And that reality struck me hard because if I knew I couldn't be accepting and I knew that the next step would be to break up and I would have to live the rest of my life without her, that reality struck me to the point where I realized, wait, what am I doing? Why would I give up this relationship? Suddenly all the wonderful qualities about her sprung to mind. Suddenly I realized what I was losing. And because of that, my perception shifted and I was able to face this in a whole different way. When I made the decision, no, I can't live with this. And I guess the next step is to break up. That reality struck me to the point where it actually changed my mind. It shifted my perception. This was the pivotal moment where I started healing because I realized the loss was greater than the acceptance of something I didn't want. And once I realized how much bigger the loss was, all of the judgments I had about what she was doing started to disappear because those judgments weren't as important as what we had in every other sense. And for me, that's what it took to shift is accepting that we needed to break up and I wouldn't be able to accept her. And as soon as I tried that reality on, it hit me hard knowing that I was about to lose this person. And because I cared so much for her, I didn't feel the need to judge anymore. And I told myself, I will accept who she is and support her happiness from this point on. It's hard to explain exactly the mental shift that took place. I mean, it was powerful because I finally came to an acceptance that the only choice was to break up. And for some reason that didn't sit well with me at all, which caused the shift inside of me. So I think this is part of it. As you go through this process I'm talking about, the big part of it is reaching that point of what you absolutely must do next. And you just accept that this is what I need to do next. And then you'll find out if you really want to do that. And you'll also find out what is most important to you. Because when you come to a decision and you think about following through with that decision, reality strikes. 
And then you'll realize what decisions are most important to you and if the relationship is more important than your judgments about certain behaviors. So I hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. I really hope that you have a better relationship from this point on. I wouldn't call this a technique. I would just call it a process, uh, several steps that I go through. And if you really play full on with these steps, then you will reach an understanding inside yourself where you don't have to carry around these emotional triggers. You don't have to be a micromanager of their behavior. And it takes so much pressure off of you. It takes off all the pressure because you're not consistently listening or watching their behavior. That won't matter to you. You'll still get triggered. I mean, this happens. You still get triggered. But going through the process I outlined today might give you a way to control that and let the people you love live their lives in a way that makes them happy. And the bonus to all this is that when you accept people for who they are and allow them to be happy, A, they're going to want to be with you more. They're going to love you more. They're going to they're gonna realize that they have an amazing person that they never want to let go. And B, you get all of them. You get their authentic self. They show up as who they are with you because they feel safe with you. And actually, there's a C. C, all that pressure inside of you goes away. All the pressure to make sure you correct them or make sure they're on the right path, it goes away. Because now you're no longer concerned about that, which makes you easier to be around and you more loving and caring and supportive in their eyes. And there is also a D. D, the behavior that really bothered you all those years, in my experience, more times than not, tends to dissolve. It tends to be in the background or go away completely. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. But in your case, you know, maybe if you weren't always mentioning it or talking about it, he may feel incentivized to work on it. I'm not saying he will. Maybe he's happy the way he is, and that's fine too because we accept the person who they are if we want to keep the relationship. But if he chooses to, he now can without being told that he's doing something wrong because it's very difficult to want to do anything for yourself when somebody tells you to do it. <laughs> if somebody said, you know what, you don't know how to swim, you need to learn to swim, and I'm going to nag at you every day until you learn to swim. Well, if you go take swimming lessons, you're going to do it because they nagged you to do it instead of feeling self-empowered to do it. And things we're nagged to do or we're told to do when we aren't ready to do it or we don't want to do it, we're more likely to resist and whatever we learn is less likely to stick. Oh, you got to stop smoking. I can't stand smoking. I hate it when you smoke. They're less likely to do it because they're probably going to be emotionally triggered that they were just yelled at for smoking. And if you're a smoker, you probably smoke because you're stressed out or you have other reasons. But some people smoke because they want to squash some negative emotions or just feel relaxed or, you know, de-stress. And so they smoke. And of course, they're going to be stressed if they're yelled at for smoking. So that continues to exacerbate the, the smoking, which is the same thing that happened in my marriage. Every time I made her feel bad or guilty for eating sweets, how would she be able to handle those emotions? She can't express them to me because I've become unsafe. So she's going to go eat more sweets because she doesn't feel safe with me. So she has these unsafe feelings. She might have some anger in there because she's angry at me for not understanding that she has a challenge that she's dealing with and it's only her problem. It shouldn't be mine. And so she has all these negative emotions that come up because I made her feel bad about what she's doing. And when she feels bad because she's an emotional eater, she's going to 
eat more sweets. And of course, I exacerbated that situation by continuing to tell her not to do something that was nearly impossible for her to control at that time because of me. She knew she had a problem. I made it my problem. And now it became our problem. And I made sure that she knew that her problem needed to be fixed for me to be happy. And of course, that made her feel awful and ashamed and guilty and all these other feelings I'm sure she had. And she didn't know how to handle those emotions. And she couldn't share those emotions with me because the very thing I'm doing to her is all about her sugar addiction. So now she goes back to sugar to feel better. I did it. I caused her to do that more. And I was not supportive. I wasn't the guy that said, hey, you know what? No problem. You know, if this diet plan didn't work for you, don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll try something else if you want. I wasn't that loving, accepting, supportive husband. I was a jerk. And I admit it. I was awful. And I feel bad for it. I wish I hadn't done that. But I do know she's in an amazing relationship now. And I'm just very happy for her. She has a very supportive person in her life. And that's what I want for her. Why? Because love is wanting someone else's happiness. Love is accepting them for who they are and wanting them to live their life in a way that fulfills them, that brings them joy. I want to see that for her. And I, I want to see that for you too. I want to see that for anyone listening to this show. If, whether you're in a relationship or not, I want you to be happy. I want you to do things that fulfill you and be with people that support you and accept you for who you are. And I hope this helps this person who wrote. Thank you so much for writing. I wish you the best through this. I know it's a challenge, but give it a shot. You may be surprised. I want to thank our sponsor today, BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain. And as a listener of this show, you'll get 10% off your first month. So thanks again for listening today. You are amazing. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon.